This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Miss the show, no worries. We've got you covered on point on the podcast. Tonight, we talk about Whole Foods stepping on their own landmine, telling their employees they're banned from wearing poppies, and then they reverse the decision. But what are your rights as an employee when you want to wear something? with such deep meaning in this country. We talked to a lawyer about all these court challenges the president is putting into the courts trying to stop Joe Biden from stealing the election, as Donald Trump says. But can the courts actually decide this? It's not that easy. And we talk about who it is that put President Trump so very close to keeping power and why they should not be ignored. It's more than 70 million people. And maybe it's time that the pundits figure out just who they are. Let's get talking. What's your point? You just don't ever get to point. Am I getting through to you? That's the point. Do you understand? There is a point. That point where enough is enough. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Listening. I find it disgraceful, and obviously. Whoever at Whole Foods made this decision isn't the, the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer, matter about as sharp as a butter knife. Our veterans have sacrificed for us, sacrificed for our frontline freedoms that we face every single day that we can walk around, sacrificed for our way of life, sacrificed to ensure our country remains strong and free. Whole Foods steps on a landmine over their own making and uh, then have to be shamed into reversing their decision on poppies. Alex Pearson with you on this Friday, November 6th, on a day where I'm happy not to talk about Donald Trump. Not right now, anyway. Albeit, as you well know, everything is fluid. Things can change on a dime. And uh, we are expecting, actually, Joe Biden to speak, address the nation, he will, at 8 o'clock tonight. Kamala Harris also going to be speaking. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know if they're going to declare that they've won. I've just heard that um, they have been told to enjoy the moment, whatever the heck that means. But let's dump all that and talk about the idiots at Whole Foods. I mean, you can just imagine the uh, kind of day the PR folks had there, twisting themselves into a knot, trying to remove their heads from their rear ends. And, you know, they try to defend their decision to ban their employees from wearing poppies. Because, of course, they say that the employees can't promote causes, but it just turned into such a self-inflicted PR disaster because all you have to do is a basic Google search, which is what every company should do. What happens if I do this? Like what happens here? I mean, it'd be really easy. I mean, if you did that, you know, the moron of such policy would have realized that it is not a cause. It's a sacred symbol woven into the fabric of our country and a country that we have today because of the men and women who gave their lives to defend it. But then, you know, they doubled down on it. They just doubled down on it. And all day long, you could just see the blowback coming back at them as fierce as, I mean, as fierce as you've ever seen. Because anyone who knows anything about the poppy, which is clearly not Whole Foods, knows that you'll feel the wrath of a very united Canada. But you'll also get the wrath of very united politicians of all stripes who quickly today came together to call out the BS. 
it's just the height of disrespect. And again, it's so out of tune uh, from where where everyday Canadians are, regardless of your political stripe. I mean, we have to acknowledge uh, what uh, what the, the sacrifices, not only of veterans but of their family members, right? I mean, it's just it's just um, a completely shocking and and really really. I think it's just out of touch, right? It's out of touch, out of tune, and and it's disgraceful. I think uh, Whole Foods has made a, a silly mistake uh, that I'm uh, hoping they will correct uh, very quickly. Our Minister of Veterans Affairs, uh, Lawrence McCauley, has engaged directly with them to highlight uh, that they made a mistake uh, and they should uh, change course. The freedom they have to be that stupid was granted by the sacrifice of thousands of Canadians, and that's why we show respect with the poppy. So I'd like Whole Foods to stop trying to be woke foods and do the right thing. Show respect, lest we forget. I mean, look, it's more than silly. The, the decision is just complete sheer ignorance and, and lightly made by some sensitive academic who needs a history lesson on why the poppy is not about politics. It's about paying homage to the men and women who sacrificed their lives. And it's a symbolic promise for us that we make not to forget those sacrifices. You know, the sacrifices that give us the freedoms, the freedoms to do things like, oh, I don't know, not buy their stupid overpriced avocado bread. And then I kept thinking, like, late this afternoon, you only imagine what the CEO's reaction must have been to this whole thing as it became front page news right across the country. You know, you got the premier uh, calling for a boycott of Whole Foods. And then you got him drafting up emergency legislation that will now ban a company from doing this. And then you get the House of Commons. They voted unanimously to call John Mackey to appear before the Veterans Affairs Committee. I mean, how embarrassing that he and his company had to be publicly shamed to do the right thing. I mean, I don't know. You get going, um, Mr. Mackey, we got a problem here. Yeah, we're getting in a lot of trouble because we're not letting people wear their poppy. I mean... I'd be firing people, but it's not my company. But we also don't need laws for this. I mean, it's common sense. A private company can make such decisions. It does not, however, mean that it doesn't have consequences. So, I mean, to me, the best way to send a message to Whole Foods or any other company making stupid policy is don't spend your money there. But then you wonder, like, since when does Whole Foods not support causes? They are as woke a corporation as, I mean, they're as woke as Starbucks. They constantly virtue signal. You've got signs in the stores that blast out messages, including, we're a part of growing consciousness that's bigger than food, one that champions what's good. Well, okay, what's better than defending freedoms we enjoy today? You know, the choices we're allowed to make, like not getting ripped off at your store, maybe choosing to go to other grocers, who made clear, by the way, today... That they do let their employees wear bobbies. Loblazva got on it right away, tweeting out, we encourage our employees to wear the poppy. Smart on them. And I have no idea who does this company's PR, but it is they're a very big corporation because they're owned by Amazon. And there's no way that they don't have crisis teams whose job is to protect them from the butter knives who make the dumb decisions. Because... All you need to do is a Google check to see what happens. What happens when you ban poppies? Oh, let's look to Air Canada 2016. Ooh, yeah, it told its flight attendants not to wear them. They were ripped to shreds, and that decision also got walked back by day's end. So this to me is just complete, complete 
self-destruction caused by, caused by themselves. And so, yeah, they, they walked it back. But it wasn't until hours after they dug in their heels. So they certainly didn't do anything for their brand. They're just very, very lucky that all the attention gets paid to uh, what's going on next door. Otherwise, they might get more trouble. Uh, by the way, I have good news for you. I have finally figured out why we're not going to be seeing a federal budget from the liberals. And, um, and I get it now. It's simply because the finance minister does not understand the difference between deficits and debt. I mean, you just listen for yourself. What is the dollar value of the national debt as of today? The Honorable Minister of Finance. Um, Mr. Speaker, I'm not going to offer new projections, but let me remind you that in the fiscal snapshot, the deficit... The Honorable Member for Carleton. What's the debt? The Honorable Minister. $343.2 billion. That was as of the fiscal snapshot. No new numbers tonight. The Honorable Member. Clarify for the Finance Minister the difference between debt and deficits. I asked for the debt. Are you sure the debt, is she sure the debt is just 300 and some odd billion? Honorable Minister. And I want to be clear with members, I'm going to refer to numbers from the snapshot, not new numbers tonight. And I'll tell you for the, with the next question. The Honorable Member for Carleton. Does she know the debt? The Honourable Minister. It was projected in the fiscal snapshot to be $1,060,000,000,000. Uh, member. I think that number is hard for any of us to say, in fairness, uh, Mr. <laughs> Speaker. Yeah. She should have just said pie. I mean, honestly. There's your finance minister. Better get her numbers down. Better figure it all out. I mean, maybe that explains why 72 million, billion, I should say, billion can't be accounted for. But yeah, yikes is right. I never, ever want to see any company in Ontario ever do this again. The poppy is an endearing symbol of sacrifice and appreciation for all our veterans. And we will always, always respect and stand up for our heroes. There you go. The premier talking about uh, the situation at Whole Foods today, and he was none too impressed. So, of course, he's pushing through legislation to make sure it doesn't happen again. And it's interesting because I noticed a number of lawyers piping up over the Whole Foods uh, decision to ban employees from wearing the poppy, offering, you know, free legal help should they defy the policy that has since been reversed. And uh, it, I don't know what it took so long for them to change their mind, but they doubled down, doubled down, and then they thought, oops, this ain't flying. And uh, as the always moronic liberal MP Adam Vaughn pointed out, that employees were also banned from wearing black in support of Black Lives Matter. And yes, there is currently a class action suit against Whole Foods over this issue, but Mr. Vaughn doesn't seem to understand that Black Lives Matter is, in fact, a political organization. So... There is that. So what are your rights as an employee? We'll talk uh, Catherine Marshall. Of course, she is an employment lawyer. I think it's Milburn. Tell me it's Milburn, right? Right? Yes. I thought, oh, God, I forgot the firm she's with now, but it is Milburn. Okay. Um, you are very hot and bothered about this particular uh, story. I mean, this is one of those, uh, this like, they stepped in it and they kept stepping in it. And it's one of those things that it was so obvious, like reverse course. I don't know what took them so long. Yeah, it was terrible. I, I think what happened was... Probably some executive in the U.S. made this decision, um, not realizing just how important the poppy wearing is to Canadians. 
and how, you know, the fact that like most grocery stores and major retailers in Canada do participate in it. But it was the doubling down on the stupidity um, that was really shocking. And yeah, it took them a lot longer than I thought to, you know, turn around and make the right decision. But so I think you're being very generous because these companies, I mean, it's owned by Amazon, first of all, but they've got numbers. They've got 11 stores, I think, in Canada, but they've got they've got crisis teams, PR people, lawyers, you name it, that kind of are there to make sure that they avoid um, pitfalls like this. And they have to have one Canadian there who might have been like, mm, not a good idea. I know about the poppy and this is going to cause some problems. Well, you know, I think you touched on it earlier. Um, this probably had a lot more to do with Black Lives Matter than the poppy, and especially because there's an ongoing litigation about um, Whole Foods, um, you know, ban on people wearing Black Lives Matter um, uh, items. You know, they were probably concerned that if they allowed people to wear poppies that it would be deemed hypocritical and, you know, hurt their litigation. Um, you know, they clearly were not thinking at all about what a complete and utter disaster from a PR perspective it would be. And what would your rights be then if you were an employee of this kind of a company? Because I'm sure they're not. We always get these stories. At least once yeah. a remembrance season, we get these stories. What are your rights? Um, you know, I would have to think that under the charter, you would certainly be protected. Would you not? Not really. I mean, you don't have a, a fundamental right to um, wear whatever you want to work. I mean, employers are allowed to set dress codes and, you know, make their employees wear uniforms. Um, but, you know, you do have a right, if, um, you know, to wear things for religious purposes and you have a right to wear items well, to for health and safety. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's no there's no right to wear a poppy in the workplace. But I would argue that you know what, if your employer is telling you you cannot wear a poppy, go ahead and wear it and see what they do. Because if they fire you and you sue them for wrongful termination, I don't think there's one judge in the country who would take the employer's side. It's interesting, though, because, you know, they say that they don't want um, employees to put, um, you know, whatever on their their uh, uniform because they don't want to be seen promoting causes. But this is like Starbucks, very woke, very much into the virtue signaling. I mean, they love they, they look at food as just the stepping stone of the good they can do in the world. I mean, they are a mm -hmm. virtue signaling machine. They absolutely are. And I mean, I feel a little cheeky complaining about them because I, I personally like Whole Foods products. Mm. <laughs> There's certain snack items I them, do yeah. like from there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, their entire brand is really built off of, you know, virtue signaling and sending out um, like consumer activism, sending out messages on different different subjects like, you know, fair trade and all of that. Um, so I have no idea what's going on in their corporate headquarters, um, why they've decided to take these stances. I mean, they probably have a pretty young workforce who want to support different causes and want to wear different things. And that's how young people express themselves, right? And it's, it seems very backwards, the approach that they're taking.
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what the CEO was thinking. I'm sure by about midday, he was probably wondering why the hell his name was being called by uh, legislators yeah. uh, who wanted to call him before this House of Committee, um, you know, the Veterans Committee, and uh, probably thinking, who in God's name came up with this policy and why am I hearing about it? But I mean, it got to the very top levels across this country, not just with the Prime Minister. All all partisan uh, was dropped for this, and everyone came together to basically blow um, some much-deserved you know, blowback to them, but it got to the top. And even, you know, interestingly, then Loblaws jumped on. And if you're a grocer out there, it's a great time to capitalize and say, yeah, we allow the poppy. Oh, they, yeah, like Sobeys and Longos and Loblaws had a great day today, um, just shaming Whole Foods. And, you know, I mean, Whole Foods is not, you know, they are a competitor definitely to like Loblaws and Longos. But, you know, look, there's some grocery stores where you don't, you're not allowed to wear poppy if you're doing food preparation, obviously, because they don't want the poppy to fall off into the food. And, like, that's understandable. But if people want to wear poppy, absolutely, of course they should be allowed to. And it, not only that, should it should be encouraged. There should be um, poppies at every checkout. And it's just part of honoring people who have fought for our country. And, you know, for them to call the poppy... And remember, say a cause, I think it's totally wrong. It's not a cause. It's a time to reflect and honor and pay respect. And um, it was very disrespectful what they did. I think that's one of the reasons why there was such a visceral, angry reaction from Canadians today. Yeah, it's not it's not a great look for brand. Um, and, and yeah, they've apologized. They've reversed the policy. They'll make a big donation. But, you know, they wouldn't think about doing something like this if it were, let's say, Memorial Day. And, and they told employees do not wear any kind of memorial. But they just wouldn't do it because that's what the equivalent is, you know, for us. Yeah, the interesting thing will, will be to see if like they they lose any money over this like are people going to boycott whole foods because definitely today i saw a lot of people on twitter saying they're going to boycott it um you know i generally think that you know we should you know if the companies turn around and done the right thing they shouldn't be punished for it but i think a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth and it's kind of reminding me at the time that you know a few years ago when companies like lush were boycotting the mm-hmm. oil sands and yeah. then canadians boycotted their products Um, you know, consumer activism is something that all companies have to be really aware of. Yeah, I'm not into the cancel culture thing, but I do think it would be great if people would just uh, drop off a poppy every time they go in there. So they're just littered with poppies everywhere till they get the point. (laughs) These are our things and uh, we're not going to forget, but uh, we'll see what the fallout is. But boy, man, did they have a, did those PR folks have a bad, bad day today? Yeah, I felt really bad for whoever was handling PR for Whole Foods this morning. Um, They probably got a lot of messages. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, Come to my office, please. All right. Uh, Appreciate it, Catherine. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you. You too. That's Catherine Marshall joining us. She is with Milburn Law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's going to end up perhaps at the highest court in the land. We'll see. 
but we think there'll be a lot of litigation because we can't have an election stolen like this. Well, there's Donald Trump, and it's a big allegation. No evidence yet uh, presented, and maybe there will be, but uh, putting the president's inflammatory comments aside, he does have the right to challenge the results, especially given the razor-thin margins in some of these races. I mean, you look at Georgia, it's like okay, 5 million votes, maybe 1,500, 2,000 votes separating them. And um, so Biden's ahead by a couple of thousand. And he may come out tonight, Biden, and declare himself the winner. I do not know what he'll say. But Trump seems to want the courts to decide this whole thing, and I'm not sure they can. Jack Siegel is partner at Blaney and McMurtry. He joins us now. Good to have you. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, you know, we're into this. Um, I don't know where we are. We're right. We're right in the middle of this chaotic uh, kind of no man's land of, of po- the political world. I mean, Georgia and Pennsylvania um, have now dismissed a couple of challenges by Trump. And then you've got other areas and jurisdictions. I've actually lost count of how many, uh, you know, Trump lawsuits have been filed. But I'm not sure at the end of this that the courts are going to go in in Trump's favor. He says this will get to the Supreme Court. But this, why would this be different than, let's say, the hanging Chad of 2000? Um, it, it's not particularly uh, different in terms of you raise everything you can and uh, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, and that's clearly what uh, his lawyers are doing, and that's probably the best uh, uh, strategy to adopt at this point. Uh, but you need evidence if you're going to uh, want to prove something in court. They don't just uh, uh, take one's word for it. I heard a report earlier today that a Trump lawyer was insisting that there were no observers on behalf of their campaign in a count, I think it was in Philadelphia, and the judge pressed and the lawyer finally conceded, well, the number wasn't zero. Uh, so if that's the, uh, you know, the, the nature and strength of the kind of case they're going to present, it's not going to get very far. But I think anybody who follows this stuff has got to be concerned about what happened at the Supreme Court of the United States in 2000 with Bush versus Gore and whether or not uh, that has the potential to uh, somehow uh, repeat this time. I think the chances of that are way, way down. It is 2020, Jack. Come on, anything can happen in 2020. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's democracy. (laughs) We don't want courts choosing and deciding on things like elections. It it takes us into, I think, a dangerous territory. I couldn't agree with you more. But we do need somebody to be wearing the striped shirt. Yes. there has to be a means of resolving disputes. Uh, in Canada, we typically have a few recounts after a general election. Of course, we're electing a different person in uh, uh, every uh, riding, or the Americans would see as a congressional district. Uh, and so we've, we've, we've got a lot of races, as do they. Uh, we have paper ballots for federal and provincial uh, elections, at least in Ontario. I think most provinces have stuck to paper, as far as I know. Uh, and it's one thing to do away with paper, and it's something quite else again uh, to switch to uh, online voting or tabulators, because that's going to uh, be harder to demonstrate with proof of what's in the box. What were people's intentions? Well, if this tabulators. election doesn't prove anything, old-fashioned paper and, uh, and uh, pencil, it, we, might, we should just stick with that. I, uh, I'm a strong advocate of doing everything possible while, by way of technology uh, to make it easier to vote, more accessible to vote, 
as long as there is an absolutely incontrovertible record of what a voter's intention was. And there's no better way of doing that than with a paper ballot. A machine can read it, a machine can count it, and if the spread between uh, two candidates is half a dozen votes, then let's go look at the ballots and make sure that it read everything okay, because there is an error rate. What is the uh, deadline as far as you are concerned? Um, you know, I mean, obviously before Inauguration Day, but what, what is the deadline? How long can this thing be challenged? Uh, it can go on, I guess, for about a month, maybe a little more. It varies. Uh, here's the thing that makes it just so difficult to follow from uh, perspective of a Canadian lawyer. Every state has its own election laws and follow yeah. them for the national election. So some states require a certified result by the middle of next week. Others give a, as much as a week more. Then there's a two-day period, and the ones that I've heard mention of, probably the uh, uh, the battleground states that we've been fixated on for the last couple of days, uh, where you have got 48 hours after certification of the vote to bring your application to court before it becomes final. So there's a narrow window there, and then uh, the case has to be litigated. And Canada, how do you know when you're, and sorry, just so I step on you a little bit, how, how do you know then that that evidence per se would be protected? I mean, obviously, if you know you're, you're going to be challenged, who's in there watching to make sure that nothing's being dumped out or burned or shredded? Um, in the American model, I expect that uh, there are going to be people gathered around the outside of these buildings watching who comes and goes and uh, Lord only knows. In Canada, the ballot boxes are all sealed, and they are in the custody of neutral chief uh, uh, electoral officers or chief returning officers in the, vari the various ridings. Uh, and they're committed to neutrality here. In the mm -hmm. U.S., in at least a number of states, the people running the elections at a county level uh, are partisans. Um, yes. I was in New, in New York State during the last uh, uh, presidential election. Uh, in a county where uh, our group was hosted by the county commissioners of elections, one of whom was the Democratic committee chairman for the county, and the other was the Republican committee chairman for the county. So they do it by a bar bipartisan approach, which is quite different. Well, it is, and hence the distrust of where you say we're being cheated. I mean, there's all sorts of allegations over Michigan and, and ballots being uh, spoiled and fed in. I mean, and there is the problem is that they don't have a system like ours where it's a federal system. There's like one set of rules. You've got people in there that have a vested interest in their guy or gal winning. And so creates huge problems with, I guess, conflict of interest. Quickly before I let you go, I mean, the president has called this election illegal. I mean, he's delegitimized it. What if he doesn't leave? Uh, there's nothing that requires the inauguration to take place in the White House. Typically, it doesn't. Uh, the uh, levers of power are going to move with the oath of office, I would think. Uh, the question will be whether he goes quietly uh, or whether they follow the model established by George Washington centuries ago of ensuring a peaceful transfer of power. We will see, I guess. It is, as I said, 2020, but boy, oh boy. All right, There's we'll see what... another surprise around the corner. Of course <laughs> there is. It's only November. Well, yes, there we go. Watching the gong show, also known as the American election. 
hard not to watch. And uh, we're waiting at some point uh, to get this winner announced. But even if Donald Trump loses, let's say, and, and it looks like Biden will take this thing. I don't know. I don't think anyone should expect that the noise is going to go away. And certainly that's because the pointy headed pundits who told us he was a dead man walking really wasn't dead. I mean, there's a lot of walk still with Donald Trump. And this, I think, election cements just how wrong they were, because what it tells us is that there's a huge portion of America that really liked what Donald Trump was doing. I mean, they may hate his bombastic ways, but they liked his policies. They liked the handling of his economy. And the fact is that 70 million people voted for him. And they're not all racist. They're not all dumb. They're not all rapists, as the critics will tell you they are. And as we see the country is severely fractured, I think those same people also should be willing to admit, you know, that Donald Trump is a big reason behind that crack. John Robson writes in the National Post all about this. The title is Americans Face the Facts About Donald Trump and His Supporters Should Too. Good to have you, John. Good to be here. All right. So, look, I think a lot of people are looking at this thing right now and wondering how the hell did it get so close? But I think that question should be posed to those who got it so wrong is that they don't know how to read America. I agree entirely. And I think we are seeing the emergence of a new political era that we have been in a particular pattern really since the end of the Reagan years with with Bush Sr.'s coattail landslide. And this was an era in which the Electoral College was moving relentlessly against the Republicans. You know, they had actually won uh, four landslides in uh, in six elections from the second Nixon election, the two Reagan and and, and the uh, Bush senior. And they were getting over 400 Electoral College votes. It was like they owned a place. And then it's sort of going down and down and down. They couldn't get over 300 when they won. It was close. And when they lost, it was kind of uncomfortable. Um, Barack Obama won fairly handily, and it looked as though, and the Democrats thought, well, the demographics are moving our way. Only angry old white people vote Republican, and as the nation uh, becomes less white and you know more female and all that sort of thing, we're just going to win in a lope. And then 2016, they went, oh, that was weird. Like maybe it was because Hillary Clinton was so awful, or maybe Donald Trump had some black magic. But you know, now we all see him for what he is. And then what is so striking about the math this time is that although a couple of states have flipped, and it probably is enough to give Biden the win, uh, Arizona's flipped and so on, the map is really, really similar. And if, if Biden does hang on in Nevada, but Trump holds where he's ahead now, Biden's going to win by the exact minimum necessary. And that means with a change in that I mean, one of the strangest things about this election, at least unexpected by the Democrats, exit polls show that Trump did better this time than last time with every demographic except white men. Apparently, yeah. he won 20 percent of the black male vote in the United States. You might say, well, 20 percent is not that great. But when you look at how solidly black Americans had voted Democrat for decades, you realize that something about the Democratic message is not resonating with the intended beneficiaries. And I think part of it is you're a victim and you're a faceless member of a collective. And I think that that is, uh, again, among Latinos. And now everyone's saying, oh, yeah, well, of course, we should have seen that coming. That they're not a unified group. There's all kinds of different Latinos. I mean, there's white Latinos and there are black Latinos. There are Cubans. There are Puerto Ricans. I mean, they're all, all Americans, but different origins. And I think this is very very dangerous for the Democrats, because if this is what a good election looks like for them, uh, what happens if that blue wall, if, if Wisconsin and Michigan 
and even Minnesota keep moving Republican, where do they make up for this? And I will say one more thing before I let you get in. If you Google thing, if you Google Clinton Archipelago, you get a map of the geographical places that Hillary Clinton won in 2016 and Trump won, and Clinton wins the tiniest imaginable share of the American landmass. And the, the Democrats can't get more votes in the big cities in California and, and things like that. Where else do they look for voters and with what pitch? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the Republicans cannot ignore this. They have to um, they have to absolutely um, continue to build upon this on the working class and keep building on it. Uh, but I mean, they're talking now Donald Trump might run again in, in the next election. I mean, he's not going to go anywhere. I mean, the Democrats are going to have a very difficult time getting anything done. I mean, Biden may be the president, but, you know, the um, Republicans control the Senate. They still grew in the house, uh, you know, on the other side. So it's going to be difficult for him to get something done. And so if, if the Republicans are smart, they capitalize on this and bottle what it is he, he does and maybe just get rid of the whole ugly kind of bombastic side of it. And that's an interesting question because the Democrats may be tempted to say, well, it was just Trump. And Trump was so awful that he let awful people express their awfulness. And once he goes away, they'll have to start pretending they're decent again, which means voting Democrat. <laughs> but what and, and the thing is that partly because Trump was so belligerent and oh, you know, just watch me, he was willing to do things like move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and mm-hmm. defy cancel culture that all the reputable Republicans were afraid to do. Like they were all Aaron O'Toole or something. But if you can get another Republican who has Trump's essential attitude toward the culture wars and toward American national security and toward the economy, uh, but isn't just loathsome. And I'm, you know, I've never made a secret. I find Trump loathsome, and I think it's a bad thing. If another Republican running with that way does as well or better than Trump, the Democrats are in a heap of trouble. If it turns out it was just Trump letting people uh, turn loose their inner demons and a civilized Republican gets crushed, uh, well, A, you know, uh, then they won't run civilized Republicans, and B, the Democrats maybe are okay. But if it, if it turns out that Trump won despite being Trump rather than because he was Trump, um, then again, it's it's very hard for me to see uh, what the Democrats do because they've got to back away. They've got to put down the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Bernie Sanders and back away, or they were not going to start winning votes in the, in the middle of the United States. On the other hand, it's fair to say, as David Frum did, well, so what are the Republicans doing about California? I mean, California is an important place, far and away the most electoral votes, and they won it by two to one. Uh that's awkward for the Republicans. So do they have anything for the uh, people in the coastal cities? Do they have anything for the elites? Because the other thing that the Democrats don't get, but I think the Republicans do, is that the Democrats are not the party of the little guy. They're the party of the elites. They're the party of the founder of Twitter. They're the party of the university professors. They're the party of the latte-drinking urban sophisticates. Uh, they're the party of the wealthy. And th- as long as they think they're the party of the downtrodden, they can't see why they're not appealing to the downtrodden. But then the Republicans have to say, well, do we have something to say to the university professors that isn't, you know, bordering on the unprintable? Yeah. And just before I let you go, I mean, the bottom line is there was no blue wall and no one on the Democratic side uh, should be looking at that, at what's happening now or what may end up being the result as a repudiation of Donald Trump in no way. I mean, you can't have 70 million people vote for you and then turn around and say, well, look, they rejected his policies because they clearly didn't. And it is still a red wall. The Democrats thought they were going to do well in Florida. They got flat and they thought they might win Texas. And that didn't happen. 
the BBC did a table of, of solid Democrat, and all those states went Democrat, solid Republican, all went Republican. And then they had a leaning Republican. They had no states. Then they had toss up five states that have all gone Republican or Trump is leading. And of the, lean, of the leaning Democrat, one went to the Republicans. So the blue wall is not intact, but the red wall is. And if identity politics puts people off and postmodernism and gender fluid theory and forcing your daughter to race and track against a guy, if that bothers people, the Democrats need to back away from it or they can't expand their appeal. And that's a big problem for them. So they had a bad election, even if they win. Stay tuned. All right, John, appreciate your time. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You, of course, can join us Monday through Friday, 630 to 10. Live on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.